Welcome to the Wolf Connection Podcast. I'm your host, John Kalfa. Let's talk about some wolves. Very excited to have with myself and Stephen today, joining us from Blair County, Idaho. She is the chair of the Wood River Wolf Project. Sarah Michael, it is a pleasure to have you with, uh, with us today. And we have a lot to talk about uh, in regards to Idaho wolves. Thank you so much for joining us. How are you doing? Doing well. Uh, I'm in Blaine County, Idaho. So mm-hmm. uh, just uh, make note of that, uh, which is home to the famous uh, ski resort, Sun Valley. We yeah. are doing well. Um, the, we have had an escalation on Idaho's war on wolves. And with the passage, recent passage of a bill, SB 1211, which has a goal of killing 90% of wolves in Idaho. The bill uh, was sponsored by the Idaho Trappers Association, the Idaho Cattlemen's Association, the Idaho Sheep Producers, and Within two weeks, it was introduced and sent to the governor's desk. So I want to ask this. What what events led up to the escalation to where the bill was was drafted? And like you said, such a quick turnaround and response by the governor in two weeks. What were the events that led up to this bill being drafted, written, and then essentially and then signed by the governor? It was a concerted effort. A bill had been introduced uh, six weeks before, and the committee chair decided not to move forward with that particular bill. And from my understanding, the um, anti-wolf groups just went into um, total lobby mode. And because the earlier bill was not not given a hearing, they decided to introduce this bill and and make an extra effort to get it passed. Similarly, in Montana, similar bills have been introduced, a little bit different, but they had their, you know, they had the farm bureau, they had the the cattlemen and the sheep producers on board and we're able to get it through. The facts are that that in Idaho, there've only been in the last three years, 110, 115 sheep and cattle total that have been killed by wolves. There's a very robust fund. Uh, we have a wolf control board that, that pays uh, out to ranchers and sheep sheepmen uh, for their losses. And so 110, 115 livestock out of 2.73 million animals in the state. And what's so disappointing about this is that Idaho has never spent a dime Mm. on non-lethal controls or Mm. kind of program the Wood River Wolf Project manages where we work with sheep producers 
um, five sheep producers that run 16 to 20,000 cattle uh, sheep on through our county and and uh, to prevent livestock depredation. Not one other, not one state program, uh, no dollars go towards uh, this kind of non-lethal uh, prevention. So that was very disappointing. Uh, mm. us, no conversation with hunter groups I, uh, the Idaho Fish and Game opposed it. Hunter groups opposed to it. Wildlife biologists opposed the bill. But, you know, at the end of the day, the governor's a sheep rancher. And uh, they, you know, they held sway. Now, does it sound like the goal in the end is to start sort of this culture of aggressive wolf hunting to the point where they bring the numbers down to basically that bare minimum that is acceptable per the original proposal, I guess, of what is successful reintroduction. I, I thought it was 150 or something like that. Does that, does it seem like that's really the, the end goal just to bring it down to the very, to the bare minimum? That's uh, what the state management plan has identified. Um, we have 20,000 black bears in the state. We have 3,000 mountain lions mm. and 1,500 wolves. And uh, so the, their stated goal is we want to get to that 150 population. So now um, there'll be 20... There'll be year-round hunting. There'll be year-round uh, trapping, killing of pups in their dens. No other species, predator species in Idaho has been targeted like the wolves. And yeah. it's going back 100 years of wolf <laughs> eradication that that um, the wolf wars of 100 years ago are now happening in Idaho. I think my, my next question would be, if there are groups on the opposing side of this bill, there are hunters, there are livestock individuals, you yourself and Susanna, Suzanne Asha Stone run the Wood, the Wood River Wolf Project that has been successful with sheep and wolf coexistence. Why has there been no effort to try out these non-lethal methods and go straight to a hugely lethal and on a large scale like this? It's become a political issue. Um, you know, it, it's happening in Montana. Montana has uh, a large coalition. Uh, the Western Landowners Alliance is a large coalition of ranchers that are working on conflict resolution. That, but Montana has passed. So did they consult with the coalition that's dealing with uh, conflict, you know, livestock predator um, coalition, you know, management? No, mm -hmm. they haven't. So the 
in Idaho, they, there's never really been an interest, uh, really been an interest by legislators or the Wolf Control Board uh, or the livestock organizations to improve programs or, or support. We're unique. Mm-hmm. We're unique in Blaine County there in the sense that we've had a sheep herding tradition in this valley since the 1880s and 90s. We have a festival honoring uh, that tradition, the trailing of the sheep. Every October, a thousand head of sheep go through Ketchum, Idaho uh, in honor of that tradition. At the same time, we have we are a resort community. We have people that are in the backcountry on trails, mountain bikes, mm-hmm. and uh, a state's our state senator, our Democratic state senator Michelle Stennett, got her dog in January this past January second caught in a wolf trap. Wow. In another county, she was out walking on a on a county road. It was snow covered, mm. and her dog was caught in this wolf trap. And needless to say, uh, she couldn't. She broke her. She broke her thumb. Oh, dog out of oh no wolf trap. And if it hadn't been for uh, two really burly guys coming along, her dog would have died. Mm-hmm. Was, uh, it was hypothermic and shock. Uh, she broke her, dislocated her thumb, and and um, the people, our residents here in Blaine County were up in arms and contacted the fishing game to keep wolf trapping out of our county. Uh, You know, we were successful in March. Fishing game said, no, we shouldn't have wolf trapping in that area of Idaho. There's just too many people uh, on skis and snowshoes and who Mm -hmm. are on mountain bikes and are hiking. And that sparked, I think, part of the motivation uh, to get this bill passed because this one little area in Idaho where we are working on coexistence was successful in getting the Fish and Game Commission to act in our behalf and keep wolf trapping and snaring out of out of our out of our county. So my sense is that they wanted to make sure that that um, they had the last word and the passage of this bill certainly mm-hmm. has given them the last word. I don't know. It just feels like why wouldn't they want to keep this? A little bit more conservative or at least a a lot less noticeable to pro-wolf uh organizations i mean to come out and say we we want to get rid of 90 percent of 
the wolf numbers is just begging for attention. And I just feel as though there's some amount of diminishing returns to an initiative that's this aggressive because isn't there just that possibility that the hunt will be so aggressive and the numbers will the numbers will be reduced so aggressively that it will just be a springboard for for special protections or at least bringing them below that 150 number in which then they would have to be back, I would assume, back on the ESA at least temporarily while the numbers rebounded. It just seems like, it, it just seems, it, it seems like maybe it, it won't help them in the long run, but but I don't know. Well, I think, you know, I think that that's, that is the push now of, you know, by the wolf, the major wolf and environmental groups to uh, petition on the relisting of wolves in Idaho, because, you know, as I said, we have 20,000 black bears. We have mm. 3,000 mountain lions. And <laughs> the state is saying it's spending $800,000 a year taking right. game money to uh, compensate these ranchers and federal money. Right. That the, the push now is, is that to be try to get the wolves relisted. Uh, it is so extreme. And uh, as, as far as I know, wolf hunting is, is very hard. It's one, of the, it's one of the harder big game species to hunt. Do you think that this 90% reduction will, will be gradual for that reason? Because they can be in some pretty tough country and, and they can take, I'm sure, a very long time to 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 master that type of that type of hunting uh i was listening to a podcast the other day about this this topic and the guy hosting it was just talking about the success rates of of wolf hunters i mean some people have you know applied for 56 or more tags in their life and killed maybe two wolves so i wonder if i wonder if this will happen more gradually than we think, or do you think it's going to happen, it's going to be like an explosive reaction where this 90% reduction will happen very quickly? No, I think, I mean, Idaho's got more roadless areas, wilderness areas in the low, lower 40 states, mm -hmm. 49 states. So we are, it's the church, the Boulder White Cloud Wilderness, the Sawtooth, where we are in Blaine County, we are surrounded by six mountain ranges, much woodless, <laughs> and and so it's it will be it will be tough. But when you look at the demographics coming into Idaho, they want to see wildlife. Mm -hmm. We organized against the wolf trapping the Sun Valley Board of Realtors the Sun Valley Economic Development, our recreation community, our retail, our retail stores, all petitioned the Idaho fishing game. And in the long run, it is going to be the changing population. It's going to be the Idaho Department of Parks and Rec. It's going to be the Idaho Tourism Council that the long game strategy on a balance of coexistence 
wanting to see wildlife has to be with these other partners because um, ranching is important. Uh, sheep, cattle and, and sheep are important, but in the long run, wildlife, Idaho needs to get into the 21st century with wildlife management. And those are the partners that I hope to be, I think a number of us hope to be engaging in this conversation in the long run. Has there been, when we've spoken to other individuals on the podcast, when we just spoke to a bunch of Wisconsin people when they had their wolf hunt earlier this year, it seems as though there's this shift also where individuals who hunt are fearing that there's not as much as many ungulates on the ranges that used to be elk, deer, things of that sort. Is that something that is factored into this and not knowing Idaho's wildlife as well as I'm sure you do, is that something that has played into this as well? Because it seems as though that it's a double, uh, it's it's ranching community and it's also hunting community. So is that something also that was factored in as to why they wanted this to be passed or why they pushed so hard for this bill? This has been, so the elk population and the, the uh, trappers and the, the people who want to kill wolves always say, oh, the elk population, oh, the elk population mm-hmm. being decimated. Idaho's had record elk populations. You know what the problem is? It's they're harder to hunt because they move, they're moving differently. Right. In um, March, on March 14th, headline, Fish and Game killed 60 elk in 2020 because they were eating hay. And Mm. they $1 million less in paying ranchers for the fact the elk were eating their hay. Incredible. You know, the argument of the poor elk population, we have records. We have records at elk in Idaho. When this comes to pass, what are the things that you are doing? And we're going to go back and forth inside the bill, different things that I, that I, that I see. But I want to get your perspective, too, about what the overall community outlook has been or what the people have been saying because when we start when we started this conversation you were right on it that you had there are multiple groups on the anti-bill side that this is too much to the extreme to the extreme so how is the public handling this passage of this bill and the reasons as to why it it goes to the extreme that it does well, I can only speak for the Wood River Wolf Project. You know, part of our strategy is if we know where the wolves are, when the sheep, when these 16,000 sheep come into our county, 16 to 20,000 sheep, if we know where the wolves are, then we can alert sheep herders and go and, and provide resources to protect the sheep. Now, if that information is public, it's going to be triggering hunters 
on, you know, out that will try to get there before we are able to deflect the sheep through noise, through mm. um, noise uh, and human presence and flashing lights. That is our goal to keep the, the wolves away from sheep. How public do we want to make this information? Because of it will, the sheep, the sheep herders go with their sheep wagon on roads and graze in areas that are close to roads. And for us, we're tiptoeing, we're on this, walking this tightrope of, of letting, you know, folks know we need to be out with these bands of sheep. And in the meantime, the wolf hunting population is going to be tracking our movements and, and you know, working their underground uh, mm -hmm. networks to get there so they can shoot the wolves <laughs> uh, in advance. So it's quite, uh, we, you know, we're really quite uncomfortable this year. It, we have never had this level of of concern about working with the sheep herds, sheep herds and the bands and the herders um, because of this new, new legislation and scrutiny by the hunting, the wolf hunting community. So what do you think it's going to take in a state like Idaho? I mean, you know, or Wisconsin, for, for example, or, or even Colorado, to be honest. I mean, you know, they voted it they voted it in here, the reintroduction, but there's still a lot of, there's still a lot of disagreement. But what do you think it's going to take to get everyone on the same page in a state like Idaho uh, about coexisting with wolves? Well, we've been the best kept secret for 13 years. Mm -hmm. You know, we've just gone out and done our job and, and haven't really reached out to expanded beyond Benton County. And uh, I think it's important that we work with the ranchers outside of Blaine County that are interested, if we can develop the resources and, and, and educate them about the technique because there are pockets of ranchers all over the state. There are pockets of ranchers all over Montana, Wyoming that want to coexist, and and so when the state is only funding programs of killing wolves, and we are scrambling to get a nickel and a dime <laughs> here for existence program, um, we're going to be seeking more federal funds for for our efforts and try to try to get more ranchers involved in in the non-lethal because it works mm. it works sometimes it doesn't work when it doesn't work then you know there's going to have to be going to have to be some action probably lethal action if you can't stop chronic depredation but it it works well, and we've got research that that shows that it's it's a pretty effective. The program can be effective. 
the common theme is that wolves are destroying the the ranching industry, which it is definitely a scary thing. And I think we should all, you know, we should all heed that warning and because we have to protect ranchers to some degree as well. They're, they do help to protect our wild spaces and, you know, not just to mention provide, you know, uh, goods and services, but, uh, do you think that, do you think that saying simply this is about saving the ranching community and that it's sort of a, it sort of has to do with monetary value is the whole story or is some amount of this just a political pushback from rural communities that feel like they've they they haven't been heard lately. Well, I think that's a really good point. And in the conversations that between ranchers, uh, you know, elsewhere, and you've listened to the podcast too, that it is there is a uh, you know the urban the urban uh, rural divide, and and I I I think that's an an excellent point. How do we, part of what we we see happening here when you have 16,000 to 20,000 sheep going through a very highly recreated area. It's the, it's probably, um, it's growing more and more and that the recreationists resent the sheep resent the livestock guardian dogs that are very threatening. Mm. And, and we're, we are uh, going to the trailheads now this summer with information about why the sheep are here and how to navigate a band of sheep when you're on a mountain bike, how to navigate <laughs> a livestock guardian dog. And because there needs to be coexistence with livestock right. as well as coexistence with wolves. But you know, the, uh, I th um, our Fish and Game Commissioner, one of the reasons that he supported keeping trapping and snaring out of this county, his, he had two of his dogs. It was in a coyote trap, but he had two of his his bird dogs caught in a trap. So he understands when you have these huge, huge wolf traps and you have, a, you know, a child or a dog or, you know, an adult getting caught in one. Mm. It scares the heck out of people. Yeah. Is, is the argument that, that trapping is really the most efficient way to catch wolves? Is that? Definitely. Yeah. Easier to trap. And particularly if they're using, you know, scented traps like they do for coyotes. I don't know if uh, this bill, you know, they keep saying, well, it's not going to, poison's not going to be allowed. But, you know, baiting, you know, baiting traps, snares, and uh, if they start to use poison, where it's it's going to be mayhem out there isn't that the fear i mean you you said it before isn't the the fear and we we've had a couple of conversations with this already with 
not only, you know, pets and other species getting caught in these traps, you have the human element as well, where if you're going on a trailhead and you, you're not going to see these snares or these traps, you know, there has been human injury that I've read about. There have been, uh, you know, they, they set a bunch of traps along the road and they end up getting all number of different types of species, whether it's fox or coyote or bear sometimes to a degree or rabbits. And so it, it seems as though when you throw a lot of it out there, just hoping to get as many wolves as possible, the the reverse reaction and the the reverse happens and you're, and you're only hurting the other species as well when you're doing this. So the Idaho Fish and Game um, did a did a study of the the how many other species the the unintended consequences of wolf trapping and their uh, report showed that 40% of the animals caught in a wolf and the wolf traps are not wolves. They're other mm. fawns. They're uh, I think in one case a wolverine, and and that that's now you know now that information they may not be doing that study anymore because because it's uh, so uh, compromising to the goals. A couple of things I think is important that these species, um, you know, this trapping, the trappers will tell you. It's easy to get out of a wolf trap. What they don't tell you is that you have to have special tools. Yeah. The Idaho Fishing Game actually gives courses to the public how to extricate yourself or your dog from a wolf trap. Now tell me, should the public have to carry a training by Idaho Fishing Game? Uh, last year, last year, the um, uh, Suzanne Stone and, and Living with Ghouls, our advocacy groups here, asked the fishing game to post, require trappers to post areas where their traps are, or, and to require them to go off the trails by, by 25 feet, and they wouldn't do it. So how is the Idaho fishing game protecting the public when they're not requiring any kind of notice or setbacks from trails for wolf traps. This is crazy. This is 18th century or 19th century. Um, this is management of wildlife. Mm -hmm. And yeah. it's inhumane. And, and the fact is that, uh, you know, there's got to be some balance. Yeah, there has to be balance. And I, I'm looking... I'm looking at a particular part in the uh, in uh, twelve eleven in in the bill here, and if you if you can expand on this because I I see that the the wolf trapping season this is whatever line thirty or it's on page three uh, the wolf trapping season shall be open all year round on all private property as long as individuals are in compliance with the permission requirements contained in section thirty six sixteen oh three. So does this mean that what what is the 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 rule on public land then and how is the, what is the balance that's being struck here because between private and public land and how this is going to interchange with this So on, on the uh public land trapping um 
is, you know, they keep expanding it. So um, I know that that they um, have shut down trapping when during the summer when the livestock are going on public lands because they don't want to get sheep and cattle in and uh, livestock guardian dogs in the trap. But from November to about May, it's um, or mid-October to May, um, it's open season on public lands, trapping and snaring. Uh, hunting is now 11 months out of the year. Uh, the only time that they can't hunt on public lands is during July. And mm. we, we have students out with, with cameras trying to, and to find out where the wolves are and to do howling. Can you, now that hunting is allowed 11 months out of the year, we worry about howling surveys because they could get shot. Yeah. of hunters looking for wolves. Mm. I think the fact that, that um, you know, we work primarily with sheep, that far more sheep get killed by coyotes, that, that have the sheep producers go after the measles, you know, 1,500 wolves <laughs> when there are so few depredations, at least when you do non-lethal uh, it it's just uh, to us. It's I think it's more of a culture war uh, and just the long history of hatred of wolves and what the federal government did to Idaho by reintroducing them uh, 25 years ago. Mm. Is that where you believe a lot of this stems from? Is really it's really a private ci private citizens versus the government and like you said what they did or is there something that goes back even further than the reintroduction as to why there's this belief that wolves should be i don't know if they if everyone believes they should be eradicated from idaho again or if it's just they want them at such a low number that it almost as if they're non-existent you know i think it goes i think it's culturally goes back you know, 150 years, uh, we got rid of the Idaho ranchers got rid of wolves, um, you know, in the 100 years ago, and they just, it's just one more, you know, it's one more thing. I think, Stephen, you said that, you know, the, the economic viability of ranching, uh, the sheep ranchers have had a tech, heck of a time mm. with prices because most of their market is cruise ships. Well, you know how hmm. much demand there is from cruise ships now for lamb. Hmm. And, and uh, I think they're record prices for beef, but it's still a hard scrabble life. And it's just one more, one more um, thing that, that, that makes it hard for them. And the wolf is an easy target. Mm. Idaho, anyway, for the, for, for the legislature. I feel, though, that there's, we and Stephen and I have, have used this phrase, I think, more often than not, is that there's there seems to be, though, this radical middle 
that should be able to be found that we there are people on both ends of the spectrum especially in this debate and and a lot of the other states that we've seen that you're going to have the 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 pro-wolf camp and the anti-wolf camp but it seems as though especially with the individuals that we've spoken to that there is a middle ground that can be reached on certain things wood river wolf project is a perfect example uh, we spoke with Karen Vardaman, who is uh, also doing coexistence ranching out out west. So, is there is there a way? And I, I believe, and correct me if I'm wrong. I, I believe there's a meeting with the residents of Idaho. I believe coming up this weekend to discuss tw- uh, Bill 1211 and, and what what the impacts are going to be. Is there any? way that we can have a radical middle there in Idaho where some of the ranching community that has seen these coexistence coexistence measures work try to influence the others it seems like the small minority that are having this difficulty wrapping their head around coexistence with uh this particular predator um i would say that there's more visible engagement in Montana through the Western Landowners Alliance uh, on both wolves and grizzly bears. And they are trying to, that is the radical middle, I think, uh, as far as just, and the Wood River Wolf Project. We are just trying to keep sheep and wolves alive. It's a win-win for everyone. And and that's the radical middle. It's happening in ranches in in Montana and ranches in Wyoming. We're trying the best we can. And and but the you know the Montana, the governor of Montana wants to see wolves trapped. He's a former wolf trapper. Uh, our governor is a sheep rancher, comes from a sheep ranching heritage. So we just have to keep doing our job, doing our job, trying to keep sheep and wolves apart and keep them, keep them both alive for the time being. And the legislature is going to do what they're going to do. And we're going to have to navigate in between that. What kind of, what kind of problems are going to present themselves with the fact that, and with maybe this the subtle differences of legislation versus regulation, because I, I, I'd assume that regulation is a little bit more flexible, whereas legislation isn't. Well, and, and that's why sportsman groups and, bio- and wildlife biologists have said, let's the, have the science or the, the Idaho Fish and Game uh, manage wolves because it is more nimble mm-hmm. legislation but you're you're stuck uh mm-hmm. legislation and we're we're going to be stuck with that legislation for a long time and i was assuming that that wildlife is static and it's not it changes year year to year and you would just think that we would we would want to regulate it for that for that reason to you know, accommodate for the create the wild changes that are happening. You know, much faster now than in the past. I think with with climate changes and well, we'll see when uh, if the 
uh, state of Idaho and the other states start losing federal money. Mm. Wildlife, they get a lot of, and, and they find them not in compliance uh, with these species, management of these species, whether or not, um, you know, whether or not there'll be a, a more dialogue. Yeah, because it seems like there's going to be an ecological consequence to this if this hits the 90% threshold because you are taking out a, a predator that really helps balance the ecosystem there. I know that you have the mountain lions and the, and the, and the bears as well, but to have that balance of predator-prey and having that coexistence with the livestock it really seems that, you know, this swing of the pendulum in the, in the extreme direction could not only hurt, uh, like you said, the, you know, the groups that are, you know, vying on either side, but also ecologically could take a toll for Idaho as well. Well, that was shown in Yellowstone when they reintroduced the wolves. Now they have a stable elk, pack, elk herd. They have a stable wolf pack generally. And the, the rivers, the riparian areas of have grown back. Beavers have come back. Coyotes have been pushed out, so that's allowed um, more rodents and and uh, the um, you know prey for eagles and beaver, and then the willows uh, allowing uh, beaver dams. Um, I don't know that we really think about that. The the groups in this conversation don't really think about, I think, don't really look at that as a benefit. Hmm. I mean, the ones who want more wolves killed. When you're talking about when you have these, um, what kind of information is your group and, and yourself included, are you trying to give to the public, particularly on this issue, but also like you said before with the sheep on the trailheads, you're trying to inform the public about ways that you can coexist with, you know, sheep and livestock that are moving through these trails. What sort of information are you all putting out to the public so that they can have the best gauge of what this bill actually does and how it's going to affect them? I think for uh, at least 2021, uh, the bill will not impact impact them at least for the next uh you know for the near term we're not we're just not sure how it's going to be implemented uh most of blaine county is uh private lands we're 69 i mean public lands 69 percent and the so the the year-round trapping uh, and snaring on private lands will affect a part of the county that's not in, not in the central uh, recreation zone. But we're just not sure. We're not sure if that's going to force the Idaho um, Fish and Game Commission to open up wolf trapping uh, on public lands uh, throughout the county. I mean, throughout the area, um, it's it's an unknown for our for us right now. Hmm. But we 
I think the bottom line is our, our economy and the voices who spoke up for our economy here, the realtors, the economic development, our tourism council, these, this is the coalition that needs to be, enter the dialogue in McCall, Idaho, in Coeur d'Alene, in Teton County, Idaho, where recreation and tourism is, are the economic drivers. And starting coexisting, coexistence programs there to protect both livestock and the wolves, I think will potentially over a period of time have, have a seat at the table, but because they are economic drivers. Mm -hmm. So 1211, uh, SB 1211 removes, you know, most regulations, all the seasons and bag limits for wolf harvest and provides that additional 190,000 per year towards hiring contractors to kill wolves as well. Are there any other, are there any other big game species? I'm sure that's not too far off the map in terms of like, um, nuisance animals, maybe groundhogs or, or vermin of some kind, but are there any other big game species where that, that kind of profile of, um, you know, no seasons, no bag limits and this, what seems like, I mean, I don't know, but what seems like a substantial amount of money to contractors, does, is that, is that normal for any other species or ha, has that been seen in recent history for any other big game species? The, um, fishing game really opened up mountain, uh, mountain lion hunting, uh, this year, but they don't get bounties. Hmm. So only the wolf hunters get at uh, a bounty and have unlimited. Um, they have quotas. Uh, they for mountain lions. They've really loosened the quotas, but no other species has has a bounty on it like like mm. wolves do, and and uh, allow contractors. Mm to come in and take, you know, take out wolf packs. In the rough areas of uh, Sublet County in Wyoming, you know, I talked to a rancher there the other day and she said there, that there's no way that the wolves just get smarter and smarter, mm. but the wolf pack structure is so you know, so important. She has a wolf pack there who leave her cattle and sheep alone. But then, you know, there'll be another, uh, when the wolf structures from other areas to get taken out, then you have lone wolves coming in and it's no end of problems. So, but here, you know, the wolves get smarter and smarter and, and, uh, we're not sure if it's going to help us with coexistence when these 16 to 20,000 sheep come through. We're just not sure if, if by being hunted so hard, they'll really stay away from the sheep herders and the sheep. 
to be continued. Yeah, we've heard that before that potentially, again, another another diminishing return scenario where hunting them too aggressively doesn't allow for that transmission of ancestral knowledge that could potentially keep them hunting appropriate prey. You know, there's been studies done in Yellowstone, the packs, you know, they they tend to, to um, you know, uh, attack each other to get territory. And that's the biggest uh, challenge for the wolves there. And uh, is that territorial, that territorial. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, we have people here in our county um, that would like, we've got 1.6 million acres of, so we're bigger than um, mm. the state of New Jersey or Delaware. Wow. We could become a wolf sanctuary. We are a dark sky preserve where in central Idaho, our county is part of a dark sky preserve because we have uh, regulations of downcast uh, lighting. And we could become a, a, a wolf preserve. Uh, sanctuary, but, um, and that would be an interesting experiment. Yeah. I just wonder if there, are there other, why wouldn't there be other ideas such as that to explore or relocate some of the wolves, you know, somewhere to, to a place where they can live and thrive as opposed to taking them out it just seems like there are more options than 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 just the most extreme and like i talk about with the like i said before with the the radical middle is that both sides need to be heard in this conversation and that's what steven and i try and do but it just seems like this the conversation was really taken over by one side and there, there wasn't really a discussion at the table it didn't seem that way from the outside looking in we had a very unusual year in Idaho uh, with the kind of legislation, the very um, the kind of legislation that was passed. But I think Steve in Colorado, you had the opportunity with before the reintroduction, <laughs> have your wolf advocacy groups build coalitions with your chambers of commerce, with your uh, people, the Realtors Association, with the people who who are, the economic drivers in Colorado is so different than Idaho, and building those coalitions early mm. will make a huge difference. If, if the wolf advocacy groups just talk to themselves, and just talk to the ranchers, and just, and, and we, get the, um, you know, become isolated in our, in our uh, coalitions and, and harden in these opposite sides, we are not going to see coexistence. And I think this, you have a chance to really do a lot more coalition building and dialogue. Yeah. We're trying. With your legislature. Mm your fishing game Mm. and all the people who care you care about wolves and who care about livestock 
I think the culture in Colorado could really show the way. I, Idaho is not going to be there for, for a long time, but Colorado can be a model of, of dialogue and tolerance and dealing with, with uh, creation and balancing economics between livestock, wolves, tourism. Very pointed words. Sarah, where can people go to engage in this conversation that's happening in Idaho? Where can they find any of the information that you and the Wood River Wolf Project is talking about this? Where can they go? So the, the, the Wood River Wolf Project, we have a website, Wood River Wolf Project, uh, Suzanne Stone's um, International Wildlife Coexistence Network is a good resource. Living with Wolves, um, they are, they've been the number one educator that just focuses on wolves and biology and science. And their blog is excellent. And the, you know, Western watersheds following this issue very closely. Um, Center for Biological Diversity. The we for coexistence, the Wood River Wolf Project techniques. We've got information, International Wildlife Coexistence Network. But for the advocacy and leadership on on twelve eleven, I think um, the uh, some of these other groups are taking you know, are clearly uh, leading on legal and petitions. I've got a, you know, Wood River Wolf Project this summer has to focus on keeping wolves out of trouble, keeping them from being killed. And so we'll be working on our coexistence this summer. Mm. Unlethal. Non-lethal, yeah. No, it's it's been fascinating to to speak to Suzanne and, and now yourself and, and you're both giants in, in Idaho and, and we can't thank you enough for just ex- really just explaining re- the, the bill itself and going into this discussion with us because it's, as an outsider's perspective, it's really nice to get clarity on what's really, you know, what could potentially happen there. And that's, that's huge for us to hear from someone that's on, that's literally boots on the ground in Idaho. So I, it's, it's great to have this conversation with you. Thank you for, for sharing the information. It's, it's great. Thank you. Wait, we need our uh, last question, yeah. John. I know. Yeah. My, and my, my final question that I ask all of our guests, Sarah, is when you hear the word wolf, what is something that comes to your mind? Uh, a beautiful wild being that shows uh, wilderness and a whole ecosystem. Hmm. I love that. Love it. Uh, thank you, so, uh, Sarah Michael. Thank you so much for joining us. Definitely check out Wood River Wolf Project uh, on the web, and you know you can uh, see Sarah's bio there. They're doing some wonderful work, so definitely check them out. Howls to all of you out there, and Stephen, I'll be with you next time. Bye, everyone. Bye, bye.
Looking to support Wolf Connection or sponsor one of the wolves in our pack? Just go to wolfconnection.org, click on the Donate tab, and find out more information.